You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. I am especially excited to be here today, the last show that I have before Friday's preseason game. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can always find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts like Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, what have you. And if you don't like any of those services, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. It'll take you right to the most recent episode. And today, obviously, we are going to preview the Vikings-Saints game. Now, if you didn't stay until the end of either of the last two shows, you might be like, wait, what? There's usually a show on Thursday. What I'm going to do is I'm going to delay that show on Thursday, and I'm going to do it instead. I'm going to upload it on Saturday morning, so essentially right after the uh, preseason game, the morning after the preseason game, you'll have a recap, and that way it'll be faster. If I did the normal schedule Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'd have to wait like three days after the preseason game to actually get any analysis of it, and I want to get it to you as quickly as possible. So I'm going to take Thursday's show, which would have just kind of been a nothing show, a bunch of filler content, and I'm going to move it to after the preseason game and just kind of have like a weird weekend edition. So I hope that that works out better. Uh, you know, and if you are the kind of person that only listens on Mondays anyways, you'll just kind of have the, the preview when you would have gotten it no matter what. Uh, but today that means we have to preview it because this will be the last show before the Vikings actually play sanctioned NFL football. How exciting is that? You can probably hear the hype in my voice. I am so excited for the Vikings to finally get out there and stretch their muscles and show the fans what they can do, but we have to preview it. And to do that, I first have to go over a little bit of the news. Uh, so there was another day of training camp, of course, and the injuries uh, are are a little bit different. So Brian O'Neill, uh, on yesterday's show, I didn't really know what was going on with him. He just kind of like yelped in pain and st- sat off for the last few, uh, sat on the sideline for the, the last few plays of practice. He did not practice uh, yesterday, and that probably means that he will not play in the preseason game. He had uh, some sort of brace on his elbow and, and was doing like exercise bike work and stuff. So his absence might actually take a while, though it doesn't, I, I what I can't tell you is if, like it's going to keep him out for the whole preseason or if he'll be back next week or if he'll be back on, you know, week three of the regular season or whatever. I I honestly have no idea. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I'm hoping that it's something minor. It didn't seem like this huge major thing. There wasn't like immediate surgery or anything like that. Usually by now, if it were something that were like really, really dire and he had to have surgery and be out four to six weeks or whatever, we probably would have heard of that like right away. They would have been kind of right on that. So what probably happens now is that he just kind of like sits in in limbo and and the coaches don't tell us anything because they kind of don't have to. And and he'll just sit there for some undetermined amount of time. And every day we'll just be like, was O'Neal back today yet? Nope. Okay, we'll try tomorrow until one day he actually is back. It will be a very frustrating and confusing process. And you might want to ask all the insiders, hey, anything on the injury? Anything on the injury? They're so tight-lipped about this stuff. There will probably be no more information until he's back in practicing limited. Though I would probably anticipate that he sits out of the preseason game. And that makes sense. Why risk it, right? For him to play like one drive. Elsewhere in injury news, Shamar Stefan is still not practicing with the team. He's off the NFI pup list, but he's still like rehabbing over on the other field with Linval Joseph and Mike Hughes. Neither of them have done anything, so I wouldn't expect any of them to play in the preseason game either. And Tyler Catalina is also nowhere to be seen, and Adea Runa is nowhere to be found, which has given uh, Ifadi Odenabo essentially free reign of all of the second team snaps along with Steven Weatherly until Adea Runa comes back. And you also have like 
Carter Schultz and Stacy Keeley kind of pushing there as well, but essentially that depth chart seems very solid as it as it stands right now until Adea Runa returns. But all the guys I just listed probably are not going to play in the preseason game, and that's fine. Usually it's a precaution. So here is what I'm going to tell you about the expectations for the preseason game. So the starters may not even play. A lot of teams just don't play their starters at all in the first preseason game, and they really don't play them like as a warm-up. They don't play them until the third preseason game is usually like seen as the dress rehearsal. So in this first game, I think you probably, because it's a new offense and, and you probably need to like get some real game situations in, I would anticipate that Kirk Cousins plays two drives, maybe just one. And then it's down to uh, Sean Mannion, who appears to still be the second quarterback on the depth chart. And we'll see how he plays in the preseason game. But you'll probably see a, a decent amount of Sean Mannion for kind of the rest of that half, I would guess. The twos will probably get a lot of run, and then the threes and the fours, that's, you know, the Jake Brownings and, like, Tito Denebo and stuff, they will kind of close out the second half. So if you're only interested in the starters, you're not going to be very entertained here. But if you've been listening to this show, I think you shouldn't only be interested in the starters because we have profiled every single player on that 90-man roster except for some of the most recent uh, newcomers, and you should know what they all have at stake. So ultimately what's going to happen is that those first two drives are going to get picked apart. I probably will be part of this, honestly. They're going to get picked apart play by play and broken down in some pretty intense scrutiny. And really the point of them isn't ever going to be to evaluate, even in like like situations where it's a position battle, you know, situations like the, the three technique battle or whatever. They're not going to be evaluated that hard because there's just not going to be that many snaps. Like the coaches will evaluate those like 12 or 14 snaps or whatever as much as you can evaluate 12 or 14 snaps, but I, I don't anticipate a lot of movement coming off the first preseason game. Usually it takes two or three. That's why I'm not doing an extra another roster prediction until after the second preseason game but ultimately all you're hoping for is for everybody to stay healthy and for it to serve as a reasonable warm-up what you don't want is like two three and outs and then you kind of can't even say that that was a warm-up you want them to at least put some drives together and, and get just get some practice reps in that's all you're really hoping for and then for the second and third teams and the fourth team guys at the very end of the game then you can kind of start evaluating they'll play a lot more and you can kind of start to see where things are going in the certain position battles. So what I'm going to do next is I'm going to just kind of uh, break down position by position. I, I got a little bit of information from Christopher Dunnels, who writes at Canal Street Chronicles. That's the Saints version of the Daily Norseman. Uh, and I, there's a link to that website down below if you want to you know, learn more about the opponent. Uh, but I've, I've just got a little bit more about like what to expect. And we'll go position by position, and, and I'll just kind of talk about what I'm watching for. And, and I, I don't think this is necessarily about you know how well each unit does on the whole, but more about I'm looking for you know how do they use this play? or how does this player fare in this specific situation, and just some key things to keep an eye out for over the course of the game to kind of help enrich your experience in watching an otherwise pretty boring exhibition. Okay, so starting with the quarterbacks, what I want to see after Kirk Cousins, obviously, we'll see what happens there, but after Kirk, what I want to see from Mannion and Sloter and Browning, who I think will appear in that order to start off here, uh, I, I really want to see consistent accuracy from them. And especially with Jake Browning, I want to see if they try him deep because that's really his thing right now. He has no deep ball and he can hit all the intermediate passes. So our impression of Jake Browning coming off of this game could largely come to which throws he chooses. Does he try to throw it deep? And that might go real bad. 
but if he only chooses, you know, the conservative throws, he's going to look really, really good while doing so, although you kind of have to ding him for being so conservative, right? So that'll be interesting to see. And from, you know, the Mannion and, and Sloter uh, perspectives, I just want to see consistent accuracy, especially Kyle Sloter has struggled a ton with the red zone fade. I want to see Kyle Sloter hit a red zone fade. It's been a real, real problem for him and just fades in general. He's been overthrowing a ton of things in general. So hopefully we don't see Kyle Sloter like throw a bunch of picks to the, you know, deep secondary that uh, New Orleans has. I actually think the depth on offense is going to have a lot of trouble against New Orleans because they are pretty deep on the defensive side of the ball. Their second and third team units might be better than our second and third team units. On the running back front of things, I actually don't know if Dalvin Cook will even play. I don't even know if he should, uh, just because he's been hurt so often in the past. I think he should maybe get him a couple of hits, but he should maybe just play the first drive and that's it. And then the other reason is to give the rookie as many snaps as he possibly can get, because he's still trying to transition to the NFL, and he needs the reps a lot more than Dalvin Cook does. So I would anticipate that Dalvin Cook plays a a limited number of snaps. I mean, he's not even hurt. It's just a matter of his history and like, let's just be safe with the guy. And then Alex Madison can kind of take all the punishment from there. After all, that's kind of the point of a Latavius Murray type, right? But what I'm really looking forward to, because I I think that both those players are going to be just fine. What I'm really looking forward to seeing is Amir Abdullah and Mike Boone. I I really want to see what happens when those guys start hitting the field, and also D'Angelo Henderson to a lesser degree, but I think he's like squarely behind the other two on the depth chart. And I'll especially be happy if Kari Blasingham uh, catches any passes and is able to make any moves. I think he can actually, like the preseason is where I think he can really start to uh, make some noise and, and start to kind of move up on CJ Ham's heels a little bit at that fullback position because I think in practice, I mean, CJ Ham is just always going to be more sound than Blasingham. He's just got the veteran experience. He knows what he's doing. And kind of the draw of CJ Ham is that he's never in the wrong place. He always knows exactly what he's doing. He's a very smart player and he doesn't quite have that athleticism, but that's kind of what makes him a good fullback is that he, he doesn't have to have that athleticism. He's in the right spot and, and he's got that like hashtag grit fullback meme type energy. So I think that for Kari Blasingham to win, he's got to be a gamer. And by a gamer, I mean somebody that maybe doesn't practice as well as the guy in front of him, but somebody that goes and makes plays in the game. If he goes and jukes somebody out of his shoes and gets a 20-yard gain, suddenly he's going to you know, make up a little ground, and that's going to be how he has to operate to, to make any ground up and actually you know, push for this fullback position. Otherwise, C.J. Ham's just going to get it by default. So that's going to be what I'm looking for. I want to see like a check down to him late in the game or something where he can go like juke some random you know, juco undrafted free agent guy out of his shoes and use that athleticism and try to, you know, show that he can be a weapon at the fullback position that CJ Ham will never be able to live up to just because he's not as fast. And also when it comes to evaluating the running backs, especially with like Abdullah and Boone, back to those guys, you know, keep in mind that what you want to see is you want to see them break tackles. You want to see them do things that generate more yards than they otherwise would have. I think part of what happened like last year with Rock Thomas, who if you remember in that first preseason game, he caught a screen and blazed all the way down the field for like a 60-yard touchdown, and people were calling him the star of the game, but he didn't actually have to contend with a defender, or even like his speed didn't even come into play until like the last defender. Everybody in front of him, I mean, the blocking in front of him was incredible, and those were the guys that really deserved the credit for that play. And so to evaluate a running back, you have to look at like, did he break tackles? Did he, you know, get enough speed uh, to the edge and, and, you know, make some edge rusher look useless or make some linebacker, you know, outrun some linebacker and essentially take him out of the play that way. 
is there a player who wasn't already blocked by somebody else who failed to make the play because of something the running back did? You really need to look for that kind of stuff. And that's what the coaches are going to be looking for too. You know, if you run through a giant hole, like any running back can do, can, can run through a big hole if it's open for you. And that's great. Good for the offensive line, but they're the ones who deserve the credit there. They're going to look at what you did on the plays where you didn't get the blocking. Did you make somebody miss? Now, obviously the same goes in the inverse, right? If somebody's in the backfield and disrupting the play immediately and you get, you know, buried, that's not your fault either and and you know this kind of goes to to part of the reason that running backs have been decreasing in value over time so moving on I want to talk about the tight ends actually before I get to the wide receivers because I think what we're going to see like what I'm really interested in I mean Kyle Rudolph will get probably a few snaps we'll see maybe he'll get like one or two targets honestly he's not going to play that much and what I really want to see is how they move Irv Smith you know rookies tend to play a lot longer like I wouldn't be surprised to see you know Garrett Bradbury get reps with the second team just to get him a little bit of extra experience Um, or just to see that whole first-team offensive line, you know, stay out there a little bit longer with the rest of the second team just to get more chemistry. Uh, But, you know, with Irv Smith, I think he'll stay out there longer, and I'm just curious to see what they do with him. I think how they use Irv Smith is one of the biggest, like, like, unexpected things that they can throw at opposing defenses. So I'm curious to see what they practice in an in-game situation so they can get better at it versus what they don't practice so they can keep it a secret. There's kind of a, a trade-off there. So what we might see is in the preseason, you know, and you always say like, oh, they've got their vanilla offenses out there and they're not really, you know, focused on getting yards. And I think that's true. They, they are not focused too much on, you know, scoring points and getting yards. They will call runs on, you know, third and 10 just to get a running rep out there against like a presumably soft defense. Like teams will do that. And so with, or Smith, I, I'm curious to see if they actually try any of that weird backfield stuff or if they try him on an end around or if they try him, you know, going up the seam against the linebacker and try to do any of that stuff to, to create the mismatches or if they just line him up in line and have him run regular tight end routes so that there is less to scout. I'm, I'm very interested to see what decision they make. I think there's pros and cons to both sides of that coin. And then elsewhere, you know, we, we've got a little bit of a competition between Cole Hikutini. People have kind of seen Brandon Dillon as a guy and I think Tyler Conklin is still winning that, but there is one roster spot to go around between the three of those people and we'll see if Tyler Conklin can put a little bit more distance between him and the other two or if those other guys catch up that'll be an interesting position battle to watch and maybe one of the best stories of the the late moments of that game moving on to the wide receivers like I kind of already detailed now Christopher Dunnels he told me that the cornerbacks are looking pretty deep they have a deep group so this is going to be a challenge for those depth wide receivers on our end. They have not stepped up. So anybody who steps up now, I will see it as even more impressive. But if I had to predict it, I think the offense is going to struggle a lot throughout the course of this game. Just because, you know, the first team offense, where all the money is, isn't going to play very much. So it's really going to be up to the second and third team offenses to, like, get any points in this game. And I don't think they're going to do very well just because the Saints are deep. And that's going to provide quite the challenge. So any any positives we see from those second and third team skills players we should kind of you know up those we should we should put a little bit more stock into them just because the saints twos and threes are going to be better than the vikings twos and threes anything they do is just worth that much more I would imagine that Jordan Taylor and Chad Beebe are going to be the only ones that get, like, true first-team reps, but I'll still kind of, you know, keep it, uh, keep keep an eye on it because the, the Vikings in regular season games, they will rotate the entire receiver group. You know, you can be the sixth wide receiver and you still might get on the field every once in a while without injury. They just like to rotate it. It's just kind of how it works. Keep guys fresh, you know, put in a fresh set of legs to go run the clear out nine route kind of deal. Um, so, so I'm interested to see who does play with the first team outside of Diggs and Thielen. 
but mostly I'm, I'm interested in, to see, you know, how the kind of next guys up. Right now, according to the unofficial depth chart, it's Jordan T- Taylor, Chad Beebe, uh, Laquan Treadwell and Jeff Baddett are the next four. And then, you know, you have the Dylan Mitchell and BC Johnson. You have Alexander Hollins, who's been coming out a little bit. And you have uh, Davion Davis, of course. I want to see how all of those guys play. Like, I'm actually very interested. That's probably the one group that I'm going to be watching like a hawk. And I think everybody's been watching them all like a hawk throughout training camp because we really don't know how to make sense of that just like glut of like below average guys. And then finally, on the offensive side of the ball, there is the offensive line. Like I said earlier, I think the first team unit will stay out there a little bit longer just to get some extra like chemistry reps and it doesn't really matter how they perform uh in these reps right you you kind of it's okay for them to make mistakes you'll get teaching tape out of it and it doesn't matter what's really important is that they're out there for a long time and they're building chemistry and they're just getting reps together so that they can practice their communication it's all going to be about practice for these guys now by extra reps i mean maybe they'll stay out one like three drives instead of two for like Kirk cousins and Diggs and thielen and stuff Um, And of course, Brian O'Neill probably won't play at all. So you're going to kind of have only four of the five in Rashad Hill. And honestly, that's probably a reasonable simulation of a regular season situation, right? Like somebody is going to be hurt pretty much all the time somewhere on the offense. And the offensive line does tend to sustain a lot of injuries. Those are big guys with, you know, Achilles tears and, and, you know, sore pecs and stuff like that. And it happens to every team. This isn't just like a Vikings thing. Offensive linemen just get hurt all the time. It's just life. So having to get used to communicating with a backup and stuff like that isn't the end of the world either. So I I do think that they'll play a little bit longer. I'm not going to watch their performance that closely. I don't think it'll be all that indicative because they're still just kind of getting together. I think it's the most important thing for them is that they're out there getting, you know, practicing their communication and getting those reps. And now the second team offensive line, there are going to be some interesting position battles going on, right? Like there's this weird interior line situation. I think Dakota Dozier is winning right now. Isidore is also having a really nice camp for that like interior spot. I don't really know the status of Drew Samia, but when he's out there, I I really want to watch him and see if he really is as bad as advertised. I didn't pay too much of it, too much attention to him while I was at camp. I was focusing elsewhere on the field, uh, but he has, you know, struggled reasonably, but he still definitely has all the tools. It's just a technique thing. Same with Oli Udo, the other drafted lineman, and just see how they're progressing. But I don't have very high expectations. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they like played very soundly, but they both have a lot of technique stuff to work on. I mean, they came in super raw and not ready to play and we kind of knew that drafting them and they were still worth their spot for sure so I, I think that the the team will still like obviously retain those guys in some capacity even if they struggle here so don't worry if they're like really really bad or if they seem behind schedule or whatever they're raw project players that's the point but what I really want to see is who excels on the interior outside of those guys I mean if it is those guys like excellent or if Ole Udo ex- on the exterior that mean that's awesome but I want to see like Dakota Dozier and Brett Jones and even Tyler Catalina if he plays he's also been sitting out uh, injured. So, it, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I want to see those interior guys. I want to see somebody stand up to a relatively deep defensive line for the Saints. The, you know, they're deep on the secondary end on the DL. So similarly to the wide receivers, you're going to be at a, bis, a bit of a disadvantage just because of the opponent. It, it will be a difficult opponent to go against. I mean, you're going against twos, but you're going against good twos. So I'll be watching the interior more than I'm watching the tackles. I don't think the tackles are that interesting of a battle right now since Brian O'Neill won't play, Aviant Collins probably won't play. You know, you, you it gives uh, like Oli Udo and 
uh, like Storm Norton better opportunities and maybe they take advantage of it, but I'm definitely more intrigued right now in terms of covering the Vikings by the depth of the interior line where it's a little bit more muddled and difficult to figure out who they're going to hang on to. Uh, so let's move on to the defense. I've talked about the offense enough so far. Uh, so defensively, I think starting with the defensive line, you know, we're going to get a little bit more, you know, another chapter in the Hercules Mata'afa versus Jalen Holmes. Now, everybody who has been covering uh, the team has uh, uh, continuously throughout training camp has said that it's Holmes ahead of Mata'afa right now. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe them, even though I saw personally uh, two practices where they looked a little bit more even. I'm assuming that it didn't look so even in the practices I didn't see, and that's why they're saying that. But that is definitely going to be a kind of place to see, like, especially like Hercules Mata'afa right now, he's been going against like Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury, two guys who have kind of major strength issues. He's been kind of walled away by Josh Klein all the time. Uh, so I, I really want to see Hercules Mata'afa go against that offensive line and, and maybe go against guys with less strength issues, you know, guys with the strength to just bury Mata'afa. And that's going to be the true test of if he can win based purely off of quickness, because if he can't get away from them, he will get buried by them. Whereas like Pat Elfline isn't going to punish him as much in camp as a Saints offensive lineman might. But Christopher Dunnels did tell me that, uh, you know, the offensive line isn't quite as deep, so this will represent a pretty good opportunity for, like, Afadio Denebo and Weatherly to kind of, you know, get his feet back under him. I don't think Weatherly has a whole bunch to lose or gain in the preseason games, but I do want to see him, you know, uh, get his feet under him and get warmed up to, you know, prepare for that rotational duty. I want to see, like, Armin Watts succeed. I want to see Jaleel Johnson succeed so bad. I'm really rooting for the kid, and it seems like he's had a pretty good camp so far. I mean, he had that unbelievable game, that I, that unbelievable practice, sorry, that I saw, but it seems like he's been fairly disruptive consistently throughout, so I want to see him take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, the backup defensive line guys, I mean, we'll see if maybe Tito Odenabo can get something together in this preseason game. Maybe he's just a gamer. And guys like Stacey Keeley and Carter Schultz that are, uh, you know, potentially going to find their way to, like, dark horse their way onto a practice squad or something. This is an excellent opportunity for them. Uh, in terms of the linebackers, I'm curious to see where they put guys like uh, Ben Gedeon and Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson has handily outplayed Ben Gedeon, and I think Eric Wilson is going to win that battle pretty, like, pretty runaway. Uh, that's just me predicting, though. I, I think that uh, we'll, you know, we'll have to see throughout the preseason. But I, I'm curious to see where they're starting out here on the on the the first week of the preseason. And especially, you know, once Barr and Kendricks are taken off of the field, I want to see: do they put Wilson and Gideon next to each other? Does Gideon still just play? on the, you know, the base package plays? Does he only play with the ones in the base package plays? Who plays with, you know, Barr and Kendricks when there needs to be a third linebacker? Is Eric Wilson already in that spot? I honestly wouldn't be that shocked if he's already taken it. I also want to see if Kentrell Brothers can make some noise. Cameron Smith has been unbelievably quiet as a rookie. I want to see if he can make some noise or even make some noise on special teams. I'm definitely interested to see what happens there. And, and on the whole front seven, I want to see what kind of weird blitz packages they have. The last couple of practices, they have been trying some weird stuff with like a double A-gap with a defensive end standing over the A-gap, kind of like what they used to do with Brian Robeson, but they've been doing it with like Weatherly and like uh, Adea Runa or even Fadi Odenabo down there, which makes his weird defensive tackle time at least a little valuable because he has at least that much experience like rushing through, you know, basically through a one technique gap or through that A-gap but like this time as a blitzer. So it's a, a, a different rush, but at least he's, you know, not, it's not completely foreign to him. And I'm just interested to see like how they line those guys up, especially with the ones, but they might try some things with the twos and threes just to, uh, you know, a like see how they fare as blitzers, 
but to you know b to also just like see how that kind of things thing works against a second or third team offensive line trying to figure out their protections because most of those weird blitz packages the point of them is to make the protection call screw up it is to basically make it like make them make the wrong decision and screw up who's supposed to be blocking who and then someone comes in on unblocked and gets a sack it, the vikings are good for like five of those a year and it's because mike zimmer is very good at that particular blitz package thing so I'm definitely interested in keeping an eye on like when they do blitz, what does it look like? Are they just sending an extra linebacker or are they moving stuff around like crazy and doing all kinds of weird blitz packages and essentially using this as a playground to experiment with different blitz ideas because Mike Zimmer gets to be a mad scientist this time of year. Uh, and then moving on to the secondary. So the Saints have a depth issue at wide receiver as well, according to Christopher Dunnels. So the secondary is going to have a bit of an opportunity, especially like Chris Boyd. I think he's the guy that everybody's going to be watching. Um, he's had a, an up and down camp. I think he's been more good than bad, more up than down, but still there have been a few moments where, you know, he gets burned by like Alexander Hollins or whoever. And this will be our first look at B'nai Ben Wickery really in a Vikings uniform. We'll hope he gets a nameplate by now. I, I think he might've had one in yesterday's practice, uh, but it's, it's been a long time coming. He's been just like a, a generic number 46 jersey, which has been a fun thing to watch. I'm not so interested in watching like Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne. There's plenty of previous tape from previous years for us to like evaluate how good those guys are. The preseason isn't really going to change my opinion one way or another. Uh, and that kind of goes with all the starters, but I'm much more interested in watching like Ben Wickery or Boyd or, you know, Holton Hill. We'll see if he even plays or if he's like still in the doghouse or whatever. And behind him, you know, can guys like Nate Meadors like pull it together? You know, Nate Meadors, has, Nate Meadors has struggled a ton in training camp. Can he pull it together and like maybe get a pick? Also, where are they going to play Marcus Epps? He has lined up in Nick, at nickel cornerback sometimes. He's lined up at safety sometimes. He seems like he's actually like playing right now as a backup J. Ron Curse. And maybe there's an actual competition between those two for that role, that like kind of hybrid safety corner linebacker. I don't know if I'd call it like a money backer because they're, it's not the Tyrion Matthew role, but whatever the J. Ron Curse role is, Marcus Epps has kind of also been like moving around in different spots there. So I'm curious to see if they do that in a preseason game or if they're just kind of trying stuff because it's training camp. And of course, with the uh, with the specialists, um, I, I want to see what what I think will happen with the specialists is that they will pick a holder. It'll probably be Matt Weil and a long snapper between McDermott and Cutting, and they'll probably stick with that unit throughout the whole game to kind of simulate a whole game with this trio. How does it go? Um, I, I do think that the the misses that Dan Bailey has had so far, he's kicking like seventy five percent in camp, which is not very good at all. Uh, but he, I, I want to see, at least in the live reps, of course, you know, when they're just kicking over and over and over again while everybody practices, I don't think anybody really tracks that because they're watching, you know, the actual offensive and defensive players. But what I want to see is uh, if there are misses, I want to really look at them and look and see, you know, was the snap okay? Was the hold okay? I think Kevin McDermott has been out snapping Austin Cutting so far. Austin Cutting has had a couple of high ones and they have led to misses. But with all of the different holders and all of, and the two different long snappers, it seems like more of the problems are coming from the holding and the snapping than from the kicking itself. I think Dan Bailey is, is fine when he has a good setup. And so I want I, what they'll probably do is they'll pick one for this game and they'll pick another for the second game. And then if it's different enough to make a decision, they'll make that decision. Otherwise, they'll do the third and fourth game the same way. This is how they handled like kicking competitions in the past between Daniel Carlson and Kai Forbath or kicking competitions between Kai Forbath and I think Marshall Cohen. That was a competition last time or punting competitions. They usually go like a full, okay, you specialist, you get a full game and then the other specialist will get the next full game. 
and that's probably how they're going to do it. And then, of course, the return units is always very interesting. I think Amir Abdullah is the guy to beat at both return spots, but, I mean, Holton Hill's gotten some reps. Uh, some other, like, speedy guys have gotten some reps. I want to see if maybe they put Jeff Baddett back there. That's a really good chance for him to, like, slither his way onto the roster by being a good returner if he can be sound and not drop anything. If anybody muffs it, though, like, that's kind of a death sentence. And if, you know, if you get big returns from Amir Abdullah, that spells kind of some doom for, like, Mike Boone, who may need... You you know, they may only keep three running backs, and the tiebreaker might be that Amir Abdullah is more valuable on special teams than Mike Boone, and if that turns out to be the case, that's bad news for him. He's going to have to outplay Amir Abdullah as a running back by that much more to make the roster. So there is a whole bunch to watch throughout this preseason game. You can follow me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. I'll be live tweeting the best I can. I'm uh, remote right now. I am uh, on a vacation, so I will live tweet the best I can with the service that I have. Uh, you can also follow at LockedOnVikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And if you don't like any of those services, or if you are a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone, you can always ask your smart device like Siri or even Google Home or Amazon Alexa. Play podcast Locked on Vikings to get to the most recent episode. This is the last time we're going to talk before we are actually breaking down the results of the Vikings playing an NFL football game. How exciting is that? And we only have so many more weeks before it's regular season play. In fact, we now have basically a half a year in front of us where we won't have a week of Locked on Vikings without a football game to review and a football game to preview. We are in it, guys. We made it. So thank you all so much for hanging out throughout the whole offseason. And if you're new and you're just coming back, welcome. I am so glad to have you. I will talk to you all on Saturday morning. Remember, it's not going to come out Thursday morning like usual. Saturday morning, we will review the Viking Saints preseason game. And as always, and especially, Skull.